Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show. This is the Glorious Goodwood Day 1 preview here, recording this on Monday afternoon, so just the day before racing. Uh, I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two expert tipsters as our guests today to run through the card on Tuesday, day one of Glorious Goodwood. Odds Checker's very own Andy Holding and tipster Rory Delaghi as well. The, the the best panel, I would say, is a, as a viewer of this podcast, as a viewer of this video and listener of this podcast, the two expert tipsters we've got here. And Andy, fair to say, we're coming to a man in form after a tricky start to July. Yeah, you certainly turned it around last week. Yeah, we, we were just talking off air, weren't we? That um, July has been a struggle. Been a struggle. I don't know what we always felt about the the uh, the July. You know, the, the height of summer, as it were, where we've had loads and loads of action. Um, yeah, just const- constantly been on the wrong side of races and just getting it wrong. And but yeah, last last few days just just clicked everything. Everything clicked. You know, Ascot was good the last two days. So at least coming in here in, into this podcast with a better frame of mind than I would have been. Um, had things not gone my way Saturday. I think there are a fair few Andy Holding disciples getting quite excited with a multi in their in their bet basket on Saturday. The first yeah. team went in, didn't they? Did you do you have anything on the multi? I did. I, I did. I um, funny enough, both days. I don't know why. I put all five in. Uh, I put five in on Friday and five in on Saturday, and I thought, well, there's a good chance that um, they'll all be in the frame. But of course, um, as it as it turned out. The last one let us down, but uh, yeah, they, they they all ran well, um, which is the main thing. That's what you hope for on a Saturday. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with thirty runner handicaps, as Rory knows, I mean, a lot of it's <laughs> rubber the green, and you're just hoping they run all right. You know, five six plays, you think, well, if I, if I can get one in the frame here and it runs okay, then you've done you've done the job. But yeah, to go and win um, is is a bit of a bonus, really, on on days like that. Well, whether it's good luck or good form, let's hope it continues into this week. Uh, Rory, how are you getting on at the moment um, with your with your tipping? I'm struggling to find. I know Andy said it, struggling to find winners in July. I've been struggling to find runners. Um, <laughs> I've managed to uh, uh, to produce a remarkable series of, of uh, non-runners, which is probably not a bad thing, really. It's because uh, the latest of being so the epic and definite ask it at the weekend. But luckily, he he turns out at Goodwood, so uh, I'm hoping I can just uh, transfer my allegiance there. But uh, yeah, it's not been it's not been an easy month. Um, traditionally, uh, July is the best month for punters. Mm. Um, you know, if you if you speak to bookmakers, they'll say the uh, the profit margin tends to tends to dip badly in July, sort of end of June through July, first half of August, and uh, from then on, um, it gets a lot easier for them. From my point of view, I much prefer the um, uh, the the later stages of the season, to be honest. And you know, maybe not as maybe not quite as late as October and November, but um, yeah, when things when things change a little bit, and you've got to look deeper to find winners. That suits me a lot better, rather than midsummer, where it's often you know horses are in form or are, are winning races at shortish prices. Um, that doesn't tend to help me enormously because I try to look for things that are not blindingly obvious. But um, uh, I've survived. That's the main thing. That's good. Um, I think looking ahead to this week's uh, racing, we've got to talk about the weather because in the last ten days or so, the UK has seen everything from 34, 33 degree heat. To flash floods uh, where I am in London, driving back yesterday into London, I mean I was quite concerned that the car was going to start floating rather than driving down the down the road. So what can we expect from what you can tell Rory for, for the weather and therefore the the ground conditions down in Goodwood? Well, Goodwood, I, I'm not sure there's going to be an awful lot of rain from from um, the end of Tuesday onwards. Looking at the forecast, it looks set fair, um, so to live up to its um, its glorious billing. <laughs> but there was a lot of rain yesterday. There was well over an inch of rain at Goodwood. Um, 
yesterday and there's going to be a little bit a little bit of rain around Monday and Tuesday as well so we're probably going to start on ground that's very close to soft um, and then we'll gradually be getting towards uh, good ground then by the middle of the week um, but you you're, you will need horses who who handle uh, a bit of give I don't think it's going to get desperate I mean obviously if you're if you're living in London you're seeing the um, the the flooding that's going on there you kind of expect the um, uh, the track might be half underwater but I don't think it's quite that bad and I think it was in pretty good shape before the heavy rain yesterday. So, um, you know, we're not going to, I don't think we're going to see strange race. I don't think they're going to be coming across to the stand side rail um, as they as they can do in very bad ground at Goodwood. I think mostly the racing will be will be developing as we expect at Goodwood more towards the far side. Um, but we're definitely going to be starting on ground that's possibly a soft side of good to soft. I think, I think the advance going uh, currently is soft, good to soft in places, but I don't think that's going to be getting worse before the meeting starts. So we might well be starting on, on something close to good to soft. Yeah, so good to soft so, or maybe even soft ground expected for tomorrow with the ground drying through the week with the weather looking OK at Goodwood. As I say, we're recording this at quarter past midday on Monday. So not long, uh, more than 24 hours until the racing gets underway. And we're going to kick off with the first race in just a second. Run through the first five races of the day in chronological order and then throw it to the two expert tipsters here for any other business in the last three races of the eight race cards. Uh, before we get into the racing, just going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. We're going to be talking today in terms of the best prices and the best place terms, but you can also find bookie offers, free bets and, and plenty of other things in there as well, including and these tips every morning of racing direct to the app. So please do download the app now. And as I say, we'll start now with the 150, the Unibet Euron Chesterfield Cup handicap uh, over a mile and two furlongs. And Migration is the favourite, just about favourite, at six to one in an open race. May Danny 13 to two. Uh, Majestic Dawn 8 to 1, Caradoc 9 to 1, it's good to laugh, Johnny Drama. Uh, and Cockalorum, uh, 10 to 1, 12 to 1 bar. Skybet sticking their neck out with seven places, a fifth, seven places, a fair few firms, Paddies and Hills, Betfair, all going six places. And Andy will come to you here, uh, an intriguing favourite in migration who had one run back after uh, a lengthy absence. So do you think uh, deserving of, of the place at the top of the market? Um yeah, on balance, I, I think he should be up there. Yeah, whether he should be our right favourite, you, you could argue that until the cows come home. But uh, he was a lot. He was a massive eye catcher, wasn't he? First time out at Salisbury, mm. I think everyone um, put him into their mythical notebooks that day. Um, he's his first one, as you say, for a little while. I think he's been off for thick end of two years and six hundred and forty-one day break. Yeah, um, he was heavily punted as well, which suggested he was, um, you know, ready to destroy stuff first time out. I think he was eight, eight nine to one into four to one in a, in what looked a competitive field and. Yeah, he, he he probably would have won with a clearer run, arguably. Um, just didn't get the rub of the green, slow way, blah blah blah, and then then ran into trouble at the uh, in the hottest part of the race. I, I think he's probably better over a mile and a quarter. I think Rory can probably back that up when he when he chats about the race in a second or two. Um, so you know that that run over a mile was a precursor to what is you know likely to we're likely to see at Goodwood, and we know that. David Marnusia is also in great form. They have been all season. I think he's really come of age this season, David Marnusia. Not though he was uh, any, by any means a back number the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah, I could certainly see him going well. Um, Maidani would be more ground-reliant than Migration, who's got form on good to soft. So, as I could see, Maidani won this race last year as a good to firm ground horse. So I don't think conditions will be against him. So, if they... 
out to the front two in the market, I'd, I'd certainly prefer migration. I think Cockalorum's got to be on the shortlist. He's a strong stayer at the trip. Um, he's running the John Smiths was a very commendable one. It's very hard to make the running at York on that round track. And, and uh, barring a very tenacious Johnny Drama, he was the only one that um, got by him. And he's got plenty of soft ground form as well, Cockalorum. Um, could see him going well. And oh, there's also a, one that makes quite a bit of appeal at a huge price as well. I know Rory likes his big priced horses, about a 20, 25 to one shot. Bugle Major, a, a difficult one to weigh up because he was disappointing the first time for, for um, Richard Hughes, but he ran much better in the Hunt Cup. It's one of those races where you need to go back and have a look at his run. But um, there was a whole host of them at the Stanside Road which didn't get any kind of a clear run that day. And he was one of them. I put him down into my sort of notebook. And the form of the Hunt Cup has worked out incredibly well. I think it was a very strong rate renewal this year. I think we're genuinely looking at Group One horse, uh, sorry, Group horses. Um, certainly the winner is, and, and there's been a lot of horses that have come out in that race and frank the form from either side of the track. Um, he could he could be one that slipped under the radar. So I, I'm certainly prepared to have more than a healthy look at Cockalorum. I see he's in and around the 10, 12 to one mark, and if I could get, let's say. 20, 25 to one, five, six places for, for Bugle Major, but I'll be half tempted to play him as well. Yeah, Cockleroom 10 to one across the board at the moment. Uh, Bugle Major 25 to one best price, but that's with 365, who are a quarter to four. If you wanted your extra places, you're probably going to be going to William Hill 22 to one, fifth, the six places. Uh, Rory, how are you seeing this opener? I do, I do quite like migration. Um, He's been due to run since that Salisbury um, race where he very much caught the eye. I think he was in a new market and was taken out um, on quickish ground. Um, he's yeah, Conditions will be absolutely fine for him. I think he deserves to be up to, towards the head of the market, but he is pretty well fined at the same time. You know, I think you're, you're going to get the um, you're going to get the price you're expected by migration. Um, and there is obviously a marginal chance that on his second start back after a, after a long layoff, um, he, he might be vulnerable, but I, the impression I get is that he's been carefully prepared for this, and I think he will give his running. And I'd, um, as Andy says, I prefer him to May Danny on the ground. Um, typically, I will be looking for something at a slightly bigger price. Um, a couple of catch the eye here. It's good to laugh. Um, you wouldn't expect um, to be taking out a Jenny Candlish runner um, at uh, at Goodwood, um, but he's. Um, uh, he ran right to form on his first start for Jenny Candlish at a massive price. He went off at 50 to 1 at Chester last time out, um, minus the, the headgear he'd worn for Clive Cox. And he ran very well um, to be second, only beaten um, uh, short head. So he races off the uh, a two-point higher mark now, but that was, that was the mark he was on on his last start for Clive Cox. Seemed to lose his way just in his last couple of starts for the Cox Yard. Um, and, and on that basis, you'd be slightly wary of him. But the fact that he bounced back to his very best form starting out for New Yard suggests that he'll keep going the right way. Uh, and Ocean Murphy's an interest in booking for him. I think he's been hard to win with through his career. He's never won a handicap, but he's won lots of solid races to be placed. And I think he's the obvious one in terms of picking up extra places in this contest. Uh, and the one I like as an outsider, uh, I know Andy's put one up there as well, but um, he... I've been with him the last twice, and he hasn't had he hasn't had the rub of the green. Um, Victory Chime, um, who was a good second at Epsom uh, to the Manuicia uh, handicap plot, um, he then went to Royal Ascot and made the running, which was the wrong 
the wrong tactics on that occasion. And he ended up um, being uh, well beaten in the end in the Wolferton Stakes, although not beaten that far in terms of distance. Um, but he raced too freely in front with a visor on for the first time. Uh, he then ran in the um, in the John Smith's Cup last time out. And I thought he ran, I thought he ran um, pretty well in a, in a fairly messy race. Um, I, I half fancy his chances of turning the tables with Cockalorum. Um, he's a much, much bigger price. Uh, oddly enough for the John Smith's Cup, they didn't go hell for leather there. Um, it was a, a reasonably steady pace and a bit of a sprint finish, um, which I don't think saw the victory chime to best effect. Um, he's got good form at Epsom. I think Goodwood will suit him really well. He's a course and distance winner here in the past. Um, he's dropped... He's only dropped a pound, but he's now a pound lower than when second to a horse who was very, very well handicapped at Epsom. And I think that gives him a decent chance on paper. And he's a 25 to one shot generally. So I think there's value in him as well. He's drawn us all 15. And theoretically, you'd be told a lot of good with that you've got to be drawn low. But that depends what what trip you're running over. And what often happens at Goodwood is, you know, the turns are pretty tight here. Um, and a lot of a lot of the time, if you just watch the start of races, you'll find that horses drawn in the middle tend to come off worst <coughs> um, when it comes to track position get, coming out of the first bend. Um, low numbers are, are historically favoured, but if you're drawn high and you've got a little bit of toe, you generally avoid trouble early on, and it, it can be an advantage then in the home straight to have clear sailing. Whereas often if you're drawn towards the inside and you're behind horses, a lot of horses are going well up the straight at Goodwood, just have nowhere to go in the last furlong and a half. And it's those who who have got a who've got a the ability to um to come out a little bit wider, um who can be favoured. So I don't mind a horse who's drawn high as long as I know they've got the run style that will get them a good track position, uh, and that should be fine for Victory Chime. Victory Chime best price twenty five to one, as you say, may have finished down the, the the pecking order last time out, but only beaten five and a half lengths by uh, the winner of that race, Johnny Drama. Uh, 25 to 1 with Bet Victor, who are a fifth to five. Uh, if you want seven places, you're getting 22 to 1 with Sky Bet. And the other one you mentioned positively, uh, as well as the favourite migration, was It's Good to Laugh, who is 10 to 1 uh, with most firms as well. Uh, on then to the second race on the card, and it's the Vintage Stakes, the Unibet Vintage Stakes, uh, where Berkshire Shadow is the 15 to 8 favourite ahead of LaSalle at 9 to 4. Eldrick Jones, 9 to 2. Uh, the Acropolis is a sea of blue on Checker at the moment, still a bit of 8 to 1 around with William Hill. Uh, Angel Blue 14 to 1, uh, Austrian Theory 22s, and Secret Strength 33 to 1. Just the seven runners, Andy. Disaster. Although Betfair Sportsbook are giving you three places uh, if you did want to have a, an each way bet. And Andy, how are you seeing this? Uh, first and foremost, I think the, the betting for this race is the wrong way around with the front two. I, I think LaSalle's got the stronger form. I, th- I think the July stakes that he won um, was a deeper field. Uh, you know, it brought together all of the Royal Ascot horses and, and, and also chucked in a, f- a few floaters, if you like, like the second horse, uh, asymmetric. And, and the time figure certainly suggests that as well. I mean, the, the Coventry Stakes wasn't a slowly run race by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but we've got loose sales, July Stakes, by far and away the best two-year race so far, certainly over six furlongs anyway. Um, and he looks as though he's just come of age to me as well. He got beat by Angel Blur at Pontefract uh, on his second start when... He still looks a little bit not quite there, a little bit unfurnished. But um, his new market win, the the run afterwards was very good on the clock. Uh, the third also, I think, has franked that form as well, uh, and the second uh, for good measure. Um, there was a bit of giving the ground that day as well. Um, so that that's that's an important point to make. 
And like I say, the July stakes, he had every chance to shirk that that day. They went at an unbelievably strong pace. I think it was Project Dance in Dig 2 that come up the stand side where they took each other on. And um, he was he was leading that echelon down the middle and he, he, he kept on well when Asymmetric came at him. I just like him. He's just a thoroughly professional horse. Don't really see seven furlongs being a problem. I think Richard Hannon saying after his interview that day, he'll get on the mar no problem. He suddenly got the run start to give himself a chance of getting further. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like I say, I prefer him to Box of Shadows. Had two runs, two wins on good to firm ground. So we don't know whether he'll stay. And as I said, I don't think his form of the Coventry is anywhere near the standard Blue Sales race. So I think the betting is wrong there. He can make cases out for Angel Blur. Uh, he's, he, you know, he's. He's entitled to have a better chance than his current quotes of 14 to 1 based on the Pontefract run. Edric Jones took a backward step last time. Um, Acropolis, not really that convinced by him up to now. Uh, and I don't really like the other two. So, <laughs> as I said, I'd, I'd make Lou Sale a very confident vote here. I'd, I'd have him in shorter than 9 to 4. I think that's a fair price. Yeah, 9 to 4 with Bet365, Paddy Power, and Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, Rory, are you seeing this in a similar way? Um, largely, I agree with with Andy. The, the only um, negative I would before for Lucille, I'm, I'm not absolutely convinced he wants a well-run seven furlongs. He could well do, um, but you know his his best run has come in, in that um, in a stronger run six at Newmarket. He did win over seven prior to that, but he was able to dominate, set his own fractions, um, and there's a slight question mark about whether um, uh, a really well-run seven will suit him. But then again. This might not be a really well-run seven, and of course it's a pretty sharp track as well, so we should get away with it. I agree the Coventry form. Coventry form's not weak as such, but it's misleading because they went a ridiculous pace early on there, really set it up for the horses who came from the back of the field. Um, Barsha Shadow, he's won two from two, so I don't think you can knock him too much. But the fact that Eldrick Jones was um, was well-beaten um, uh, at uh, Newmarket behind um, Lucille, and he came with a similar run, uh, to Barksha Shadow in the Coventry, that suggests that he's a little bit flattered by it. The other thing to mention about the, the July Stakes, I think there was an advantage to be drawn away from the stands reel in that race. They, they went um, they went at strong pace. Those who raced towards the stand reel ended up being well beaten. The horses who came up the middle were favoured on the day. Now, they may just have been the best horses as well, but I think um, uh, while perhaps the bias a new market was overplayed at times. I think that it definitely existed in that race, the way it was run, that it wasn't a great advantage to be drawn near the rail. But as Andy says, the, the, the speed figure that Lucille produced in, in victory is very solid. It was a well-run race, and you'd be more positive about him than you would about most of these. Uh, I think, I'd agree, I think he deserves to be favourite on paper. It wouldn't be a massive surprise to see Barsha Shadow improve again, but as, again, as Andy intimates, there are slight question marks about him. We don't know whether he'll stay the trip. There's nothing in in his in the Coventry that I know. I know he was strong at the finish, but that doesn't necessarily indicate the stamina for this trip. He was just particularly well suited by the way the race was run. In saying that, he he pretty much needed the run in his debut despite winning, so he could improve a fair bit more. And the fact that Andrew Baldwin runs runs away rather than the Richmond, for example, suggests that he thinks he'll stay. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't um I wouldn't necessarily be be breaking the piggy bank to to lay Berkshire Shadow. But I'd agree that, strictly speaking, on what they've achieved, Lucille should be a shorter price. I'm inclined to give a chance to one at a big price here, though. And it does involve a, a little bit of, um, uh, you've got to be slightly forgiving about it as well. Austrian Theory, um, who was a bit disappointing in the superlative stakes at Newmarket. Ironically, um, he ended up 
he raced up the centre, but he ended up furthest away from from uh, where the action unfolded. Uh, he was nearest the um, the stand side that day. I, th I thought he got a little bit lost. Now the horse he was drawn next to him um, finished second in that race, so it wasn't a you couldn't say it was a massive disadvantage to be where he was. But I thought his his lack of experience counted against him. Um, in the middle of that race, he just got a little bit detached from the from the others uh, and seemed to lose his way a little bit. That form is nowhere near good enough um, to get involved here. And indeed, nor is his his um, debut win at Doncaster, which came on firm ground. Um, but I like him physically. I think that there's a lot about him. Um, he has the, the physical scope to do, do an awful lot better than he has. He's clearly a seven furlong horse, um, which is a question mark for a lot of this field. And I was inclined to um, to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's, he's reminiscent in terms of his, his um, physique to Dark Vision. He won this for the yard um, three years ago. And Mark Johnson could easily have run him. He was entered in a, still is actually, entered in the nursery um, later in the week. And that would have been a much easier task for him, despite top weight. So the fact that he runs him in here and he still has a group one entry um, in Ireland, I, I thought that, that, you know, give you the hope that he would actually develop uh, into the horse that he looked like he might be on debut. Now, I, I don't deny for a second that he needs to improve an awful lot on the clock um, and on the collateral form they've shown so far. But um, it's I, I don't like pigeonholing two-year-olds after one or two runs. Uh, and I think there could be a fair bit more to come from him. And given there's question marks, as I said, about the Coventry form and about the suitability of seven furlongs for a few of the fields. I think he's worth having a small bet on at, at a big price. He's, he's pretty much the outsider of the party or or close to a secret strength thing is a bigger price. But he's 22 to one. You might even get bigger than that uh, on the day. And I think um, he wouldn't be a maximum stakes bet by any manner of means. Uh, but I think he's um, I think he's a sporting bet to small stakes. Yeah, Austrian Theory currently 22 to one with Skybet, William Hill, Bet Victor, Mansion bet, 10 bet, Sport Nation and Red Zone. But I think you can get a bit bigger on the exchange if you wanted to go that way. Or as I say, Betfair Sportsbook are doing a fifth for three places despite there being seven runners and currently 18 to one there. So a couple of possible angles of attack there. If you wanted to side with Rory's selection, Austrian theory, but positive mentions uh, from Rory and Andy for Lucille, the current second favourite as well. So a couple of ways to get involved with uh, with the vintage there. On to the Unibet Lennox stakes now, and Charlie Appleby certainly has the, the pair of aces here. Space Blues, the favourite at 2 to 1, and Creative Force at 3 to 1. Second favourite, uh, Safe Voyage, 15 to 2. Ken Ross, 8 to 1. Happy Power, 12 to 1. Fundamental, 20s, Real Appeal, 20s, uh, as is Dukes of Hazard, 22 to 1. Bar with 14 currently running. Most firms paying four places. Uh, and Rory, we'll come to you first uh, for this renewal of the, of the Lennox stakes. Uh, looks, it looks very competitive um, on paper. Um, there's a couple out of that. I like Ken Ross back at seven furlongs. I don't like stall thirteen for him. Um, that's the um, that would be the concern. Uh, otherwise, conditions look ideal for him, um, and he's an interesting player. Um, given that he's um, he bounced back to that day before having been gelded at Haydock last time out, and then he missed a run on fast ground subsequently. So the the going has come very much in his favour. I've always thought the seven furlongs was his trip. And I would have been with him if he'd had a kinder draw uh, than stall 13. He's um, he's going to have to trust a lot from there. there are, he's not going to go, he's not obviously going to go forward um, and try to, to get handy early on. So he needs this race to be run at the right kind of tempo and, and to allow him to come with a run down the outside. That's happened once or twice in the past. Um, when um, when Breton Rock won at 50 to 1 
one of the biggest, well, the biggest shock ever in this race. He was drawn out wide as well, and he didn't appear to have a great chance on paper. They're thoroughly exposed going in, so, so it can play into your hands occasionally, but it puts me off um, in the first instance. And I have to say, I end up coming back to Space Blues, who obviously hasn't been seen since disappointing at um, uh, at Maidan um, in March. Um, but he's a horse who can go well fresh. He looks like he's been laid out for the race by Charlie Appleby. And significantly, he won the race last year. Um, he's he he wouldn't want to hop deep um, space blues, but he, he'll handle um, he'll handle a bit of dig in the grind. Uh, and I don't think I don't think we're going to be looking at soft grind when this comes around. I think it'll be, I think it'll be good to soft. Um, he's in twelve, which is again not absolutely ideal, but he does have the class to win this contest. It's just a case of getting the right kind of price about him. Two to one's as, as short as I'd want to go with space blues. Um, but he was very good in this race last year um, and a repetition of that sort of form, which he's done several times. It's not like it's a standout effort. He's got a lot of very good efforts to put him close to the top of um, of the tree here. And um, I think he'll be a prime for it. William Buick prefers him to creative force, which I think is significant because creative force has been um, very progressive this season. And the fact that uh, the Buick um, sticks with Space Blues suggests that he's um, showing the right signs at home. Uh, whether I'd want to be pining in at two to one is is another matter, but I think he's the clear pick in the race. Space Blues, the clear pick at two to one, the likely winner for Rory there. Andy, do you agree? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know whether he's a clear pick or not. And it is significant, however, that William Buick has chosen to, to go for him because um, I actually prefer the other one. Um, a little bit born out of the fact that I, I, I suffered largely backing him last time out in the July Cup. Um, and I didn't think he got the clues to run through. I, I, I thought a strongly run six furlongs would be ideal for him because, you know, prior to his win at Ascot, I, I, I had him down as a six furlong horse. You know, he beat the likes of significantly Perotto. Uh, and when he won at Newbury, he had a happy romance behind him over that trip. Um and I was quite surprised that he managed to win the jersey on soft ground. I thought seven furlongs, soft ground, this is going to be a slog fest. And I didn't, like I say, I didn't pe- peg him in that category. I thought he had, he had a good turner. For all the times I've got him doing it, particularly his back-end sectionals, it suggested to me that strongly run six furlongs is what he wanted. Um, like I say, so, he did surprise me when he won that day. So I thought, new market, strongly run six, stiff six, absolutely bang on. But he ran very much like he wanted to go back up again. Um, Incidentally, he's back end three furlong splits with the best in the July Cup, given where he was at halfway. He got squeezed out as well when good effort was dropping back in his lap up the rail and he, he had to try and force his way through. I don't think he got the clearest to run by then. You know, the likes of Starman and, uh, had, had flown over the horizon. But I still think that's very strong form. He's a, you know, it was the hottest group one we've seen for a little while. And it still suggested to me that he's going forward. He, he, he has, he's not showing signs of, of decay after five runs. He's got a better draw than his main market rival and stable companion. It could be a bad draw if he doesn't get a clear run, of course. But um, <laughs> to start off with, that's where you'd want to choose. Um, and he's got four on soft ground as well. The fact that he won the jersey on soft, again, beating a, a, a good field that day. I, I didn't see any sort of weaknesses in that in that lineup. Um, yeah, I must admit, he, he'd be the one for me. I'm, 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 not, I'm not disenchanted, the fact that... Um, William Buick has chosen the other because let's face it, he you know he, he won this race last year, so he's probably entitled to stay loyal to the horse that has won this race before and knows Goodwood. 
but I do think if there was one horse good enough to beat him, it is going to be um, Creative Force, and I'd probably just stick with him under these conditions. Creative Force three to one, Space Blues two to one. I said Charlie Appleby holds all the aces. I think Andy and Rory are holding one each. So it depends who you think has made the better case between the two at the top of the market there, or maybe you can just back them to finish first and second, and, and everyone will be happy uh, if that one comes in. Uh, in the Lennox, uh, onto the fourth race of the day, and it is the Goodwood Cup, uh, the Ashcab Goodwood Cup, and Stradivarius is the six to four favourite on the drift as we speak at the moment with Trushan eleven to four, Spanish Mission eleven to two, Saron Priestley eight to one, fourteen to one bar, and just a few weeks ago we were discussing Stradivarius and Trushan, and Trushan at what was it seven to one was the was one of the bets of the week and then Trushan was a non-runner on the morning of the race and now here we are 6-4-11-4 after Stradivarius getting beat that day Andy that must be quite sore yeah it was one of the big disappointments of the whole um, five, five day Royal Ascot meeting for me that Trushan didn't run um, and then two days or a day a day later the, the heavens opened um, we, we were obviously trying to predict what was going to happen in advance when we did the podcast. And it seemed the logical reason to believe that the, the rains were coming in, in time for, for Chushan to not only take his chance, but to, to win the Gold Cup. I think had the race been run the day after, he would he probably would have won, given how it changed so abruptly. Mm. Um, but, and you know, it, even even withstanding that, that, that Trushan wasn't in the lineup, Stradivarius has to be pegged down as slightly disappointing. I, I know, you know, Frankie was beating himself up for the ride he gave the horse and you know, he didn't get the clearance to run through at a vital stage. But ultimately, he didn't really pick up in the way that he might have, might have done or he has done in previous years. Suggesting to me that if there is a little bit of uh, residual decay, um, it, it might just be you know getting into his system now. He, let's face it, he's a seven-year-old. He's been on the go for a long, long time. Um, look, you know, he's, he's won the race three or four times before, hasn't he? So we don't want to be Detroit, you know, um, crying in too much, but he's definitely at his most ineffective when the ground's soft. And Trushan, conversely, is, an, is a mud lover, as he proved when he beat Stradivarius easily under those conditions at Ascot last season. So, in for a penny, in for a pound. Um, <laughs> having probably had my biggest bet of the season on Trushan several times at Royal Ascot and, and, and lost my money. There's only one way to get him back. And, and uh, and, and to puff your chest out and roll the dice again. I I, I, I just don't fancy anything else in the race. Um, he's the only horse who I could see would want these conditions over two miles. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with... I've already backed him, actually. I backed him today. I backed him at three to one today. Not, not the price he was a couple of days ago, but then again, um, we didn't really... <laughs> envisage the rain that has come and then and the large quantities that has has come so you can't have it both ways as it were so yeah Trochan for me very strong choice I could actually see him going off favourite here I mean have you back have you back to meet Trey or, or win only at threes out of interest I've had to go through, I, uh, not, I, I'd probably put him in an each way double with creative force I think three to one the pair if you can still get that he's a is a, is a good bit of business because both of those two horses look as though they've got cast on chance, chances. Um, yeah, Trushan 11 to 4 at the moment, that 3 to 1 long gone. Uh, 11 yeah. to 4 with 3 to 5 Paddy's I think they're going to be very close to each other in the market. I think there could be 2 to 1 each or 2. But I, I, I think if, the, if you had to nominate a favourite now, I, I'd go with Trushan. I think, he, I think the, the momentum will be with him. 
Rory, you were Team Trushan as well when we spoke about a month or so ago, just over a month ago. Is that still the case? Very much so, yeah. Uh, I think the worst thing, just to, to um, open old wounds, the worst thing about his <laughs> coming out of the of the Gold Cup, it was very late in the day, and I didn't even realise that it was that Alan King was considering taking him out. Mm. Um, and, and, the and I know he... the, grind was, the grind ended up being um, firm on the day. Um, but if I if I'd realised there was a doubt about him running, I could have I could have cashed out the bet for a for a pretty decent profit. Yeah, and the well, first that was time the... it was was just the announcement about half an hour before the race that he wasn't running. So and that was the thing was that even though the you know the conditions hadn't necessarily changed his favour the way the way that you'd anticipated, the, the market certainly had, and he was yeah he was he was really strong in the market. Three to so one, no seven one, two, no one and two, and came out. Guess that it was a possibility. Um, and I and as I said beforehand, he, you know he doesn't need the ground hop; he, he handles it. Um, but as long as it's as long as it's good, um, I think he's absolutely fine. I'd be all over him here. Um, Frankie got Frankie got murdered for his ride on on Stradivarius at Ascot. Uh, I agree with Andy. I don't think he ever looked like winning uh, at any stage. And and you know Frankie was in trouble to some degree um, before he got pocketed. You know it wasn't like he it, Frank, Frankie thinks his race is through really well at Ascot, and he knew what he wanted to do with Stradivarius that day. And he simply couldn't avoid the, uh, the the trouble that he get into, partly because, interestingly, Joey Sheridan on Princess Zoe um, got up on his outside and basically had him in a pocket for for the best part of a mile. Um, and I thought that was an interesting aspect of the race that that you know I don't want to say Frankie rode a great race by any manner of means, but he was out, essentially out, outridden tactically by um, a youngster who'd never ridden at Ascot before. So I think Joey Sheridan deserves an awful lot of credit for. Uh, for basically creating that scenario that maximised Princess Zoe's chance and, and minimised Stradivarius. But as Andy says, he didn't pick up well enough in the straight. You know, he, he didn't do too badly. He was beaten seven lengths in the end, mm. and that was that was more than he lost. I think, however that race panned out, he would not have won. Um, and I think he is vulnerable now. Uh, we saw that, you know, a couple of times last season, obviously in his final start. You know, he'd, he'd had a tough campaign, and they wanted to go for the arc with them. Um, and it ended up being a pretty weak arc, and he was disappointing in that, quite frankly. So his his air of invincibility in the staying races has, has disappeared uh, to a large degree. I think um, connections have been tremendously sporting with him, but now is the time to be taking him on. Um, and uh, Trushan, I, I think, um, <laughs> I can't believe it was 11 to 2 or 6 to 1 for this a couple of days mm. ago. I think that was absolutely crazy price. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't... Um, I wasn't switched on enough to notice that, um, so I've missed all the all the fancy odds. But despite the fact that that he's halved in price, I think he still represents a touch of value. And I, I think Andy's right. I think um, the market has opposed Stradivarius in this race a couple of times in the past, where he's looked like a two to one on shot, and he's he's drifted to even money. I think the bookmakers will be very keen to take him on, um, and I think they'll be they'll be wary of Trushan. So as long as the the going appears to be on the soft side. Then I think Trushan has got every chance of starting favourite here, and I can't really look beyond him, to be honest. Trushan, the good thing again. Let's hope this time we at least get a run for our money uh, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, I think that's we can say with some degree of certainty that should be the case. Uh, Trushan, eleven to four with three six five paddies and Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, On to the final race we're going to be covering in detail. It's the Back to Goodwood Handicap, the four ten. Uh, King of Stars is the five to one favourite ahead of uh, Rawayat at six to one, and Astronaut eight to one, only spoofing uh, Lord Riddleford and Jabberocki all ten to one, sixteen to one. Bar uh, Rory, open race this again, seventeen runners as it stands. Skybet going six places, all the others mainly going five. Uh, who do you fancy at the moment? Um, 
I'd um, I'd want to be drawn lowish here. It, it, it tends to be an advantage over five furlongs. Um, at Gubin, you've got a little bit of speed there as well with the like with uh, El well not a little bit of speed, a lot of speed with the El Astronauti and uh, Rueyat drawn at two and three, uh, and I think that'll be a big plus two. Only spoofing who'd be my pick in the race. He's drawn on stall four, so we get a lovely toe into the race. He's suited by by a um a downhill five furlongs. He ran an absolute cracker when he was um, second in the um, in the dash at Epsom. Um, he followed that with a another solid run at the Curra. And ask it wouldn't have been his cup of tea last time out um, when he was um, um, only eighth um, behind significantly. Um, he that that was a, a very very different setup um, race wise, um, and I think you can you can draw a line through it. Um, he will be a lot happier um, back on slightly slower ground um, and at Goodwood, which will suit him. He's a course and distance winner in the past. Um, Kevin Coleman takes him over again for this and has booked um, Tom Marcon to ride him again as he did at Epsom. I think he's got a lot in his favour. Um, and uh, given that he's on the same mark as when he was second in the dash, I think he's, he's hard to, to get away from in terms of each way uh, betting because He's got the form in the book. He's got conditions in his favour, and he seems to have the ideal setup in the race as well, with two of the fastest horses in the race to follow. Um, so I'd be very disappointed if only spoofing is outside the four here. He looks a really solid each way punt. Only spoofing ten to one, <clears throat> best price at the moment. That is with three six five, who are a quarter to four. If you wanted more pri more places, I should say, you're going to be looking at eight to one, uh, which is pretty much across the board elsewhere. Uh, with as you say, Tom Markwin riding uh, Andy. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm very keen to stay on a, a, a piece of form from the from the July meeting. Um, I think one of the nicest horses I saw from that three-day fixture was was Twilight Calls uh, of Henry Candies, who justified favourites in, in winning a a, a five-furlong sprint handicap. Um, he got beaten the time before by um, Imperial Yellow, was it Imperial? Um, I'm sure, it was Imperial Yellow. The horse of Roger Verins at one Saturday. Um, so that form's pretty solid. But they dropped him back to five films at Newmarket, and he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He was the only horse at that three-day festival that ran below 33 seconds for the last three furlongs. He actually did 32-3, which, you know, given it was an up, it's an uphill finish, that's a staggering sectional. Mm. Um, and it, the, the overall time figure was very healthy as well. Courtesy of King of Stars, um, who made the running over on the far side rail. He he dragged them along. But the front two were four lengths clear of the rest. And I've been monitoring the form just to see how it's worked out. The fifth has won, Jell Horn. Hans Solo Berger, the sixth, just got beat by Passionel. Um, Sahek was fourth at Sandown, the tenth horse. Yamu ran well at Newmarket Saturday. In the last horse, Operatic, uh, 14 of 14, popped up and won at Windsor the day. So the time figure and everything about that race at Newmarket looked a class race for the grade and it has worked out accordingly. So I think King of Stars is the right favourite. Um, I definitely have him on my mind in some way, shape or form because I do think that Twilight course calls is a group horse. Um, what group level he'll end up being at, I don't know, but he, look, he's Henry Candy, Twilight Sun family. So he, he's going to go down that route. He's going to end up sort of in pattern races at some stage in his career. Um, and I'd also have a little bit of a saver on, on the one that finished seventh, Embor of um, um, Ruth Cars, who finished seventh, but he was stranded down the middle of the track where he was obviously favoured to be on that far side rail. You know, he, he 
he, he ran about as well as we could have expected from a, a relatively exposed handicapper drawn in the middle against you know potential group horses. But I did notice he's got some form here at Goodwood when I looked at this race this morning. He's second behind Green Power back in 2019, and he ran respectably in the Stewards Cup. But five furlongs is definitely his bag. And um, if um, Rory's right about the draw, um, somewhere down the middle, I don't think it's not too bad a place to be. Particularly, he's right by King of Stars this time, whereas last time he wasn't. So, uh, that, yeah, those are the two I'd be looking at. I don't think, like I say, I do think that Newmarket sprint handicap's very strong form. So following the form line there, Embor sixteen to one, uh, that's with three six five, and then King of Stars the favourite five to one with a fair few firms uh, at the moment. So those are the five first five races of the day. The four forty five is a maiden, which is yet to be priced up, and then we have the five twenty, uh, which is the uh, the Unibet Phillies handicap, where I think just Hills have put their prices out now. And the final race of the day is the Whirlpool um, handicap. Uh, the final race, uh, yeah, another Phillies handicap as well. Again, just hills out with um, with their prices. And a, a horse you just mentioned topping that market uh, in Gelhorn, uh, who you raced in that uh, new market race you're following there, Andy. So let's start with you in that case. And any any other business from those last three races of tomorrow's racing? Yeah, it's really odd. Uh, normally, when we do any of the businesses, we'll say one or two um, little nuggets here, there, and everywhere. But I mm. genuinely haven't got anything. While I'm, I'm I'm looking to back. Um, no business. No, I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if Rory's got time. I'm hoping he has, because otherwise this is going to be a bit of a blank slot. But um, yeah, obviously, Gelhorn's got a squeak. Um, but you know, it's up. It's up over six furlongs now on soft ground, and he's up against uh, several informed fillies. Mm. I, I do think Marcus Dragonin's ran quite well in the maiden at uh, Newbury the day. I was called Olivetti. I'd, I'd be looking to see how mm. he shaped a second time up because having missed the break, I thought he ran a race uh, full of promise. But it's over to Rory here. He's got the, he's got a, a complete and utter stay to himself. Rory, take us away. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about um, about Philly's handicaps as a rule, and we've got non-runners in the last two races as well already. Um, the one that I thought was was definitely worth a look um, is Pomelo in the uh, in the penultimate race, the uh, the the uh, mile contest. Mm-hmm. Now she wouldn't want the ground hop deep, uh, and she was very disappointing at um, at Royal Ascot and the Sandringham. But the ground was really bad there, and I'm inclined to forgive that run. Um, she was. Uh, made a five to four favourite to win the Prestige Stakes here last season, and she was she finished last of the five that day. But um, Harry Bentley, who rode her, came all the way across to the standside rail, uh, whereas Isabella Giles, who won it, um, did cut across, came wide as well, but didn't didn't um, track over quite so far, saved ground by doing so. I thought that was a run to probably put a line through as well. She won her other two starts last year. She won it on debut at Newbury and Good Ground. And then she followed up that disappointment by winning a um, uh, a, a novice at uh, Wolverhampton. I think it's difficult to weigh her form up. She's, she's given a handicap mark of 89. And obviously she ran poorly off that market at um, Royal Ascot. I think that's a run you couldn't judge her on. And the fact that she's, she's won two from three last year um, and uh, she retains um, scope for better... She's not she's not affiliated to, to back at a short price, but I think there's more to come from her. Um, and I think she might end up being underrated uh, off a mark of 89. And um, yeah, again, if the ground turned out really soft, if it rained further before racing, 
I'd, I'd be inclined to leave her alone. I think she probably wouldn't run in those conditions. Mm. But I think if it's good to sort it, be fine. It was, it was, you know, on the, just on the soft side of good for her debut. Um, she's um, there's nothing in her pedigree that says she wants fast ground as such. She just ended up in very deep ground twice and disappointed. And um, as I said, I think there are reasons why you could forgive that. Uh, I probably want double figures to, to back her because, you know, as I said, while she's capable of better, she, she's hard to pigeonhole yeah. um, and she's not one you can be massively confident about. But at the same time, there is a very strong possibility that her mark doesn't do her justice. So if she was a double figure price, I think she'd be worth a bet. Pomelo currently seven to one, so too short yeah. for Rory, but keep your eyes peeled to see if that price does drift. Uh, that brings us to an end of our glorious Goodwood day one Tuesday uh, racing preview. Plenty of strong fancies there from both Rory and Andy. Thank you both for taking the time to chat to us today. Uh, if you have enjoyed this, uh, either as a podcast, you can find it on all, all day's previews uh, on any podcast platform or as a video on the YouTube channel as well. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please also download the Odds Checker app. As I say, it's where you get the best prices, bookie offers, free bets, place terms and tipsters. Andy's column every day going up around nine o'clock in the morning on the Odds Checker app. Uh, hopefully, We've given you a few winners. Sorry this first day came a little bit late, but we're going to record day two right now. So if you've watched this or listened to this, it won't be long until you can get day two's preview a little bit further in advance. Uh, please do enjoy the racing and please do gamble responsibly. 